So a couple days ago when we posted on a question that was sent in uh, in our inbox from Doug in Canada, who's part of a, a small house church, uh, as he said, a tiny house church of about four grown-ups, um, four adults, um, just, you know, took a minute before we answered the question just to talk about how great that is that, you know, they've got a home fellowship and, and just the, the, the beauty and simplicity of that, you know, is so great. And, and again, I, I really believe it's a legitimate expression uh, of Christian fellowship in our day and I think will become probably much more common in the days ahead as we look forward to Christ's coming. Um, well, I, it was pretty cool. Um, a, uh, a number of comments and, uh, and notes came into our inbox from some other folks that similarly are part of home fellowships of varying sizes. Um, uh, one uh, woman had, had, uh, had uh, commented about she's been part of a, a group for a bunch of years, which was just another small uh, home church and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I, I, maybe just for just a minute, I'm going to just talk to that whole idea because I just want to encourage those who are part of home small fellowships, those who are part of house churches, uh, to continue in that, in 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 just uh, in, and enjoy that fellowship for what it is. Because a house church, if you look at Scripture in Acts chapter two, for example, is was a common thing. It was the way that believers met in the first century. Now, of course, those of you who are part of house churches probably are well aware of all that. You've, you've looked at what the scriptures have to say. You, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, you know, are mentioned there in Romans 16, 1 Corinthians in regard to the, the church that's in their house. And uh, in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we see, um, you know, they met from house to house with simplicity of heart and God added daily to the church such as should be saved. And it was just, uh, in my opinion, arguably... Uh, the purest period in the church's history before it became institutionalized uh, in about three in the 300s I think the first record of a large gathering of about a hundred or so if I remember the number correctly but I think that was in the in the 200s was the first time we saw um, you know large gatherings of churches because in the first century Christianity was not a legalized religion under Roman authority um, the church being uh, predominantly Jewish in its earliest years uh, meant that these were people that were outcasts from their families and their, um, you know, their their way of life because they had embraced this, um, you know, this this um, this Jewish carpenter who was to, you know, leading people away from the faith of their fathers and this kind of thing. They were ostracized, and so they needed each other in ways that, for the most part, most of us in the West really don't know. I mean, they, they really depended upon each other. And again, the simplicity of those fellowships was built upon really just four basic principles in their gatherings. The Apostles' Doctrine, um, uh, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. You know, they got around and studied the Word. They listened to the teaching of the Word and that kind of thing. Today, we would call that Bible study. Um, they fellowship together, and the word koinonia, fellowship in the Greek, is not just that they hung out, but they were communing and fellowshipping as though they were one, uh, which led lent itself, you know, obviously then to the idea of breaking bread, the idea of sharing a meal together. But it also probably included the idea of celebrating the Lord's Supper as well. And then they also prayed together, which meant that they brought their needs to each other, and they would pray for one another and see God work in their midst. And And, of course, again, we see how they again met from house to house in simplicity of heart 
and the Lord added daily such as should be saved. Um, you know, in our day, the general tendency, and, and frankly, unfortunately, um, the goal of so many when it comes to planting a church is not really so much those basic ideas as much as it is the idea of building something that has lots of people and build something of a name for itself. Uh, I think that something very important has been lost when that pursuit became uh, kind of the norm. You know, matter of fact, and, and if, I don't mean it to sound like I'm casting aspersions on big churches because sometimes God just builds a big church in a local fellowship, and that's that's legitimate too. I'm not, uh, you know, poo-pooing uh, large churches per se at all. Uh, there's a place for that. The resources that are available to do, uh, you know, large works and things like that. That's great. But the small fellowship is certainly just as legitimate uh, a thing. Uh, the unfortunate thing is when you tell people that you uh, are part of a church or a home fellowship or something like that, almost invariably the first question that comes up is, well, how many people are going? And that's really unfortunate. That's really not what it's about. Um, I'm fond of saying Numbers is the fourth book of the Bible. It's not really at all a barometer for success necessarily. And so, really, what is a barometer for success is the faithfulness with which you approach that gathering of the saints, and, and you're ministering to one another, and you're centering on the Word of God, and you're praying the Holy Spirit to work in your midst and such. This is legitimate. This is good. Um, so, I just thought, you know, on that note, since, uh, I mean, really, I was so blessed to, like, see these comments and to see how much of this is going on out there. Um, I just, you know, for what it's worth, again, who am I? I'm nobody. But for what it's worth, I thought I would just throw a couple of things out there uh, for those who are considering maybe starting home fellowships um, or who are you know part of it and they don't really quite know where to go or maybe are we doing this the right way or whatever. Again, there's lots of different people have written and spoken and talked about house churches and there's entire organizations that that basically are organizations that help to facilitate home churches and those kinds of things. So this isn't really any kind of a, a big treatise on the idea. It's really just a couple of thoughts that kind of came to me as I was thinking about it that I just thought I would share uh, as the pastor of a small church. Now, our church, uh, really, when we started, was about 12 people. We're just a little group uh, that eventually grew to 20, and then we basically capped off around 45 or 50 was the biggest we had ever gotten before COVID. And then during COVID, we doubled in size because uh, I imagine in, in, in to some degree because we were just open. We closed for about eight weeks and then reopened and a lot of churches didn't open for a really, really long time. And so as people were looking around for a place to get together in fellowship, um, uh, we, we started to see people come in. And uh, and so we uh, just just for the sake of transparency, we are now at about 100 people, which is the biggest we've ever been. Uh, I think we're just under like what the average size church in America is now, which is only like 130 or something like that. But we're not really big. We're still a small church. Um, I assumed we would stay at 50 forever, and I loved it because I knew everybody and and people had easy access to me, and we could, you know, uh, you could know people pretty well and all that kind of thing. Uh, now that we've grown a little bit, that's a little harder to do. We have to put a couple things in place to try and. Uh, make sure that we can minister to folks effectively. We started home groups and all those kinds of things. And it's really good. I'm very thankful. And God has been very, very good to us. I'm very grateful for this. Um, and I still consider us to be a small church. We're by no means a big church. And so some of the things that I would share, I'm sharing from 
the perspective of pastoring in a church that has, you know, a number of people in it, but still within the realm of sort of a smaller context. And I think there could be a couple things here that I'm just going to throw out there for you to consider to think about. And the first one of really just a couple is one that I think is hugely important no matter how big or how small your gathering is. And this is the idea of accountability. Um, I think it's important to make sure that um, in a situation where it's easy for somebody who leads a group to sort of be um, kind of a lone leader, accountability is something you have to intentionally build. And I think it's important that we do build that. Uh, within our church's context, we actually have bylaws and the church constitution, but the principles underlying it uh, in large part have to do with building accountability so that if I ever go off the rails or if I do something that's not biblical or whatever, there are things in place where I can be confronted by the other, uh, we have two other assisting pastors and we have a board of advisors in our church, lay men who are um, love the word and are strong believers and have a lot of experience and who I would do well and, and do do well to listen to and to take their counsel and to, and to talk to about things and ask to pray about things. Um, but if you're in a context where there's just a handful of people in your fellowship, I think one of the ways that we can develop accountability, and, and this is something I do even though we do have bylaws and, and a board and all that kind of thing, is to intentionally make sure that you don't do anything to elevate yourself to put yourself in a position where anyone would ever see you as untouchable, unapproachable, uh, uncorrectable, and that kind of thing. I think it becomes really important to make sure that for our part, we always maintain an understanding that um, that we're really just servants, serving the Lord, uh, ministering to the people. Again, however few or many that is, that God has given us to minister to. And so if we begin to create an air that we are sort of like God's mouthpiece and therefore, you know, you need to listen to us and you, who are you to touch the Lord's anointed and all those kinds of crazy ideas. Instead, we make sure that the people in our fellowship know that they can approach me. I've actually said on a number of occasions that if, if someone in the church felt I was teaching something that was off base, they not only have permission, but I would say they have a responsibility to make sure that they call me on it, that they ask me about it, you know, whether it's a phone call, an email, or whether after church they catch up with me, or maybe one of our question and answer times uh, on Sunday mornings uh, or on Wednesday night, you know, just make sure you ask that question and don't just let it go. And uh, because unfortunately, that's how uh, sometimes people in leadership roles begin to start, kind of start feeling untouchable, like they are, you know, God's mouthpiece, and so what they say is, you know, kind of what goes and that kind of thing. I think we need to watch out for that very intentionally because it's human nature to allow ourselves to get built up and we have to be very intentional about not doing that. Now, if you have maybe 5, 10, 12 people in your group, pick a few people within that group that you know love the Lord, love the fellowship of the saints that gathers there, love you and your family, and love you enough to tell you if something needs to be addressed or maybe you're going off the rails somewhere. And these are people that you need to be able to receive from. Again, I, I have that. I'm very intentional about that. The guys uh, on the board and the, the pastors, and not only the pastors, but the other pastors of the Calvaries in the area that I meet with regularly, um, these are men that can speak truth to me, and I will listen to them, and I respect them. And they're also the people who, if I ever got off the rails and didn't listen to my own board and pastors, 
uh, they could be called upon to form an advisory board to decide how to deal with my having gone off the rails. That's built into our bylaws. In other words, there's some written accountability built into that. Even if I didn't, if I stopped appreciating it just, you know, intentionally, there's still ways for me to be held accountable. And I just think that's important to make sure something like that is in place so that things don't go sideways. Uh, even in a small setting, sometimes this can happen. And so some version of accountability, I think, is important in any context and in any size gathering. Um, another one that I would suggest is uh, avoid isolationism. Sometimes in small settings, we can begin to feel like we're the ones who are being faithful. You know, in our day and age, when a lot of churches have sort of departed from teaching the Word of God, where it's become a little bit more about the number of people coming and making sure we don't teach anything that's unpopular because it'll affect the offerings or we might offend somebody. Uh, and even churches that have fully gone woke, you know, progressive uh, churches and that kind of thing. Um, in that kind of a setting, we can begin to start feeling like, well, we're not like them. You know, we're holding to the word, man. And matter of fact, we're so pure. We're like the first century because we're meeting houses and we've only got a dozen people or less. And you know, we're, we're the faithful ones. We're authentic Christianity. Sometimes we can kind of get into that a little bit. Uh, again, it's kind of human nature. It's our sin nature sort of insidiously allows for that kind of thing to happen. And we want to watch out for that. And that's why I say isolationism uh, is never really a healthy thing because it, keep, it puts us out of touch with other believers. Uh, it begins to sort of build an us and them mentality. Uh, it can cause us to become very rigid and even very um, ungracious when we are dealing with people that are orthodox in their beliefs and thinking, but maybe aren't necessarily practicing the same way that we do in our little fellowship that's faithful to the Lord and everything. So I just want to make sure that we don't lose sight of the importance of being in fellowship with believers, even outside of our own group. Again, we... Uh, uh, I make sure that I'm in fellowship with the other pastors to see what's going on with them and their churches, and I can pray for them. They can pray for me. We can, um, you know, be in fellowship together, and, and it just keeps us grounded. It's just a healthy thing uh, to, to have access to as an intentional thing. And then just one other thing I'll throw out there, um, just as um, something to think about, something to consider. Um, keep it simple. Keep it simple. You know, in um, uh, I just turned down in the parking lot here, and I'm not sure where this is. Uh, anyway, so um, keep it simple. You know, we started by talking just for a minute about Acts 242 to 47 and the, the basic principles that really underlie the, uh, the gathering of the saints. You know, the teaching of the word, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers, the idea of... Um, the idea of just the simplicity of the gathering of the saints going from house to house, it was uncomplicated. Not that personalities didn't arise, not that sometimes some level of organizational bureaucracy might have happened in, in a particular setting or another, but by and large, it was just simple. And that's, that's what church is. Church is not an institution. Church is an organization. Uh, it's an organism, really. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living body where the, 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 the whole is, is one that is a bunch of parts working together uh, for the health of the whole and that kind of thing. It's just a wonderful gift and, 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 
and such that God has given us. And it really is not terribly complicated. There is other teaching on how we conduct ourselves in the church of God. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy his two letters. He wrote to Titus with the basic underlying idea that this is how we conduct ourselves in the house of God, which is the ground and pillar of truth. Uh, Paul would speak to the Corinthians, who were a very messed up body of believers, uh, and give them instruction about certain aspects of their uh, of their of their uh, fellowship and such, you know, in regard to gifts of the Spirit and sin in the camp and all those kinds of things. But the underlying pillars of what a church is all about are really very simple. And again, they're found in Acts two forty two to forty seven. It may be that your home fellowship, your home church has grown enough where there's a bunch of kids. And so maybe you want to think about how do we approach that? Do we just have everybody sit in the same room together and worship? Or do we maybe set up some kind of a nursery in the, you know, in the living room or we, or in the kitchen or something? Do we set up a Sunday school where somebody, a group of the folks take turns, you know, teaching the kids, you know, the, the scriptures and that kind of thing. Maybe your, your group grows to that size where you have to start bringing those ideas in. That's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. But that doesn't have to be complicated either. You know, it just sometimes we. I, I guess this is the this is the simple house church loving part of me speaking in this regard. If God grows your gathering to where it becomes necessary to move out of the house and into a rented space, okay, that's fine and that's great. And if that's the Lord's will, then that's what you should be doing. But again, forgive me if this sounds just maybe my own personality or something but don't try to push that you know if you're a house church and you've got four six eight ten people that gather every week and you're having meals together and you're talking about the lord and you're going through the word of god together and the kids are having fun and they're they're watching their parents and then learning with their parents to walk with jesus you know there is something so beautiful about that i i you know there's a part of me that says man don't don't try to get bigger than that if the Lord does it, Jesus said he would build his church. So just let him do that and keep it as simple as you can. Focus on those main things that God has laid out there. Again, in Acts 2, if I can just keep kind of coming back to that. And let him do his thing in your midst. Um, it may be, and I, I may have said this at the beginning. I know I've said it many times in the past. It may very well be that as we get closer and closer to Christ coming for us, that the larger churches or even just the, the public gatherings of believers may have to go to the wayside, much like they did in the first century, much like they still do in various parts of the world, um, where the, 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 the body just cannot gather in large numbers for fear of persecution or pastors being arrested or whatever it might be. It might be that going back to the house church is exactly where the church is going to go. It's going to end up looking like the first century again. And I think if it does, I mean, I'm not looking forward to persecutions that would cause that necessarily. You know, I'm, I'm not a glutton for that kind of thing. But I would say that if that's what happens, then maybe we'll end up experiencing some of the same purity and simplicity that they experienced then. And maybe that won't be such a bad thing. It's entirely possible. Um, uh, again, I think I said this in, in, in the podcast where we posted uh, responding to Doug's question. But it may very, very well be that, that you folks that are that are heading up house churches and doing those kinds of things, you might be ahead of the curve. You know, we, we might be taking our cues from you guys sometime in the future. Again, I'm not trying to puff you up or anything like that, but I just really believe uh, in what's going on with that idea. So long as it is done biblically and honoring the Lord and, 
and and you, you center it on what God has said. And you don't you know you don't muck it up with uh, with you know with pride and, and bureaucracies and all that kind of thing. I guess all that said, I just want to say this: be encouraged, press on, keep going. Don't ever worry when someone says, "Well, how many people are coming?" Doesn't matter how many are coming. You know, the Bible says two or three, right? And so. If uh, if you're gathering and you've got just a handful of people there and you guys are faithfully loving Jesus and one another and, and all these things, then, man, that's a great, great thing. Be encouraged in that. As a matter of fact, if you ever want to share prayer requests that uh, I can pray for you guys or anything like that, if you ever have questions about anything like that and you feel like I can be of any assistance, don't ever be shy to let me know. I'm glad to do that. But most of all, just be encouraged. Be encouraged. God bless you guys. Father, we just thank you for... The fact that you have your hand on so many people that are just faithfully inviting people into their homes and teaching the word of God and fellowshipping and breaking bread, praying together. And we're seeing, uh, you know, so many rise up to do that very thing. Father, un, unencumbered by the burdens of feeling like they have to build a big church or anything like that. I just pray that you would bless these small gatherings for what they are. And they're just simple and beautiful expressions of Christian fellowship. And so we just pray that you'd have your hand upon them. And if it comes to be that one day all of our churches end up having to go that way, that, Father, we just pray that none of us would be so arrogant as to think that this is somehow a step down. Uh, Father, this is, you know, what you want the church to be is what matters. You will build your church. And so help us not to get in the way of that, but to let it be what you want it to be and not go into it with grand designs or ideas of what it needs to look like, but rather instead let you develop and build your church the way you want to do it. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you'd strengthen, encourage uh, those that are heading up those groups. I pray you'd give them uh, just genuine humility and never allow the enemy to puff them up or make them feel uh, arrogant or proud in any way, but rather instead they would, like Jesus, just week after week, just gird up their themselves with a towel and wash the feet of all of those who come. And Father, we just pray and bless the Lord them, um, that, that we would just see many, many more home fellowships like that just open up and, um, and just meet in neighborhoods and just allow for these gatherings of people to come together to worship, to praise, to grow and to learn, and to be in fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for all of this. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.